Well, when you look at this prayer of Jesus, I just want you to keep remembering. It's, it's a pattern. You, you cut your life in prayer after this. It, it's, a, it's a model prayer. But it's a prayer of intercession that God wants us to pray. And in praying this prayer, we really begin to find God's heart and the things that are important as we pray that His kingdom comes. Prayer is like breathing. And it should be so normal to us in the supernatural world. And yet, if we want prevailing power in our lives, we've got to pray. And I'm always amazed as I talk to people, they go, well, I don't know how to pray. Or I'm scared to pray. Oh, I'll tell you how I started. I learned how to pray 30 years ago. I began to get with older men, more mature, farther along in the faith of Jesus. And I would pray with them. And I would learn how to pray. Because here's what I noticed about their lives. They had a great witness. They had integrity. They had power. And they had answered prayer. And I'm like, man, if that works for you. So I've been praying some high-octane prayers for all these years. Now, sometimes I have some little wimpy prayers, just like you, but some of you are like, I haven't really gone for it. And I think God says, here it is. I want you to look at the outline. The Lord's Prayer is a roadmap. Write that in. It's a roadmap. It's something we learn by praying. We cannot learn to pray only by hearing about it. We need practice. We need to exercise our spiritual muscle. And in doing that, God teaches us the, the keys to the kingdom. And they get released in our lives. And I'm like, God, that's what we need. We need some practice. So here's my word to you this morning. If somebody invites you to a prayer group, don't just quickly dismiss them and go, no, I'm scared. I don't, I don't pray eloquent prayers like you. Well, you're not praying for them to hear you anyway. You're praying that your heavenly father hears you. Do you know what I'm saying? And you just begin to practice. And as you, it's like the musicians. They didn't just show up this today and go, Hey, I want to make noise on stage today. Adam went, man, no way. But you know what? They practice and they practice. And if you can hear from the time in the week, even to when they get in here and they get all the systems balanced out, it doesn't ever sound like it does at the time of worship. It's amazing. And then they come together and they get one heart. They get on the same page. But we connect with God for these reasons. Get ready to write. Number one, it's because God is a caring father. And he's a father that loves you deeply. He, he cares for you. In the Old Testament, the... The, the word God, the word Father was so sacred, so they, they can't even speak it. So only seven times in Scripture did Jesus even refer to God as his Father. So Jesus comes and he blows away the stereotypes. He blows these people away and he goes, Father, God. Uh, when you look at it in the Hebrew, it's, it's Abba. It's, it's daddy. It's, it's papa. I mean, those are endearing terms that really change your lives and they're very powerful. Um, in my life, the Lord blessed Don and I with two girls that you know, if you're, if you're here and if you're new today, you're like, okay, he's got two daughters and they're 23 and 18. And I remember several years ago when I was doing student ministry, I had all these kids and they would always yell, Keith, Keith, Keith. And you heard that name so many times. Like, man, I don't hear it. And one day I hear this, Keith. And I stopped and, and I looked over there and it was Rachel. And I went, and I went over to her and said, what? She goes, Dad, you won't listen to me. And I remember telling her these words. I go, sweetie, I'm sorry, but you call me Daddy. There's only, if her sister was born yet, it was two, or if it was just one, if she was here, I said, y'all are the only people on the planet that can call me Daddy. And when you call me Daddy, that stops me. I'm sorry I didn't hear you. And to this day, I love when they call me. It's, it's usually to petition me. They want some help. They want some advice. They need encouragement. They need help. They need money. They, I mean, they need something. But they, but I love that. And if you have kids, you're like, man, I love when my kid calls me Daddy. I mean, what would you do if your dad, if your kid goes, Daddy? Thou cometh now, I beseech thee this day, if give me the keys to the car, if to go to the store. You're like, what? I mean, it's like, that's like, that's odd. And you go, hey, dad, give me the keys. Well, you see, let's, let's elevate it. 
Our Heavenly Father, Abba. He longs to hear you and I make requests and petitions and adoration and praise to Him. And as we do that, He gets glory. And God loves for us to petition Him on behalf of the kingdom and on behalf of the things in our lives that are very important to Him and important to us because He cares. So we petition for help. See, God is a Father, not a force. Write that down. God's a Father. He's not a force. And He's somebody we can relate to. So Jesus says, He is my Father. I relate to Him. And you will relate to Him through me, through relationship with Jesus Christ. But here's what I know. Some of you this morning have a negative concept of dad, of daddy, of papa, of father. And it's because you've been abused or or you've had your dreams crushed or they were demanding or there was resentment, there was anger, there was put-downs. I mean, just any number of things. So when I say father and daddy today, you disconnect. You're distracted. You're driven away. And I'm praying by the mercy of God, somehow you would come near. And even though your earthly father was unreliable, let me tell you, there's one that has never failed me one time, and he'll never fail you. He's Father God. And are you running to him and saying, God, I call on you. And yet some of us have great uh, conceptions. We go, Dad, that's a endearing, loving, fun. I I love that term. For me, I, I miss my dad. He's been dead for a number of years, since 94. And I would love to call his name, but there's one thing about it. When he died, I remember God reminded me. I might have taken him, but I'm your heavenly father. And I talk to him all the time, and I hope you do. And yet some of you are saying, well, my dad demands straight A's, or he demands me to do this, or he demands that. And and, and it's horrible. We'll trade that in. Listen to what Psalms 103.13. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those that fear him. He has compassion. He loves you. He cares about you. I like what the First Peter 5.7. Cast all your anxiety on him, for he cares for you. And he's concerned. And when we think cast, we think uh, fly fishing. We think, uh, uh, but that's really, the Greek is such a specific language. And what it means is that you've got a big boulder and you drop it. You, you just let the boulder go. So this morning, the things that you are fretting about, the things that are frustrating you, you drop them. I mean, right now, uh, I've got a, a new illustration this is driving me a little nuts, but I got to get over it. And, and so God's just saying, relax. You're going to hold a mic this morning. Just drop it. I care for you. I want my voice to go forward. And the church said, you know, and you, tomorrow you get to work and somebody frustrates you or this afternoon somebody frustrates you. You go to a restaurant and they don't want on you quickly. What are you going to do? Curse them out? Well, some people do. You'd be nice. You'd be compassionate. You'd be caring. You, you exhibit the, the character of Christ. But we we miss it so many times. He's a, he's a father. Number two, he's a consistent father. I, I love that. He's he's consistent. It says he can be counted on. He never lets you down. He's entirely trustworthy. God is trustworthy. The James says one seventeen. Every good and perfect gift from above comes down from the heavenly Father. It does not change like the shifting shadows. God is consistent. He's not like you and me. As much as I love my girls, as much as you love your kids, if you have kids or one day you hope to have kids, you're going to fail. You're, you're flawed. We're flawed. And yet God says, I'm unchanging. Here, here's the thought that comes to me. God is not moody. How many of you are glad God's not moody? Can you imagine calling out to God? God goes, not today. Why? Well, you didn't share Christ. You didn't share my son. You didn't tithe. You weren't nice. You kicked the dog. You did this. I'm just moody God. I mean... 
You know, some of us can get moody or you know some moody people and God says, I am constant. I'm consistent here in your life. And listen to what Malachi says. I, I love this. Malachi 3.6, write it down. I, the Lord, did not change. I'm never changing. Now, I'm constant for the age. I'm consistent with you. In 2 Timothy 2.13, if we're faithless, he will remain faithful for he cannot disown himself. He's consistent in every way. And the third point, he's a close father. He's, he's drawn near. He's here this morning. He's right here in the middle of our service. He's right there near your life. He's never distant. He's always accessible. You call on him and you don't get a busy signal. He doesn't go, I'll put you a hole. Hey, wait a minute. Do this. Listen to what Acts 17, 27 says. God did this so people would reach out for him and find him since he is not far off. I love that. God's close. He's nearer than my next heartbeat. He's nearer than the next breath I draw. He's here for your concerns. Psalm 145, 18. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all those that call on him in truth, that call on him based upon the word of God. They call on him and God says, I am near. I am close. I want to envelop you. I, I want to feel you. I want to empower you. I I'm never too busy. I don't put you on hold. I love to meet your needs. I'm sympathetic to your hurts. I really care about the things that bother you. Here's, here's the best thing I know about being sympathetic. Sometimes I don't have mercy and sometimes I do. Uh, several years ago, we were having Bible school, vacation, uh, we call it VBX, Vacation Bible Extreme. And we were out back doing some relays, and it was so awesome. And they let the, I said, I want to do something, I want to do something. <laughs> yeah, I'm just like a little kid. And they're like, okay, you can be on the recreation team. I'm like, yes. So I got on a recreation team. And we had this relay, and we would like, you, the kids would stand here, and they'd go flying down here. And as I got down here, there was a suitcase, and you'd pull all the clothes out, and you had to put them on you, and you would run back. And we were doing this. Oh, side marching. I'm very, very competitive. So as we were doing this thing, we, we, were, we were doing pretty good. It was about 103 degrees. It was a hot summer day in Alabama. And we this this little boy... He's about five years old. He gets to right here, and he has a meltdown. <laughs> and, man, I went ballistic. It drove me nuts. I went running up to the kid. Dude, what are you doing? We're going to lose. Suck it up. I told him that, for real. And then he just totally lost it. He was just crying, you know. And a couple of elders walked around the corner, and other people were like, man, what are you doing? I said, the kid's a whip. You know, you need to suck it up. And then God whispered to me. You're going to mess this kid up. He went to counseling for the next five years because I scarred him. And I, I would give him food every time he saw me just so his folks wouldn't leave the church. But, but here's the deal. What am I saying about that? Why don't I tell you that story? Because God's not like that. He's sympathetic when I hurt. And this kid, yeah, I wanted to win. We didn't win. But he needed somebody to be compassionate. So guess what? They never, Rachel never calls me and says, Dad, could you help with the relays this year at church? It just, it, I, I raise girls. You that have girls, you understand. And, and I was an athlete in, 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 in boy world. You know, when you read Dobson's book, we, we just are wired a little different. Is that right, men? Now, women, you're like, I can't believe our pastor. He was so insensitive to the needs of the little boy. I felt horrible about it after I screamed at him. But at the moment, it felt good. Because I wanted him to do right. But my father in heaven, he's close. He's consistent. He's constant. He's tenderhearted, and I want to be like him. And I hope you're saying, well, I want to be like him. Well, we learn that when it says that he's that kind of father. So we say, God, I run to you. Our father, Abba, which art in heaven. What is heaven? 
It's that atmosphere that surrounds us. It's closer than the air we breathe. It envelops us 360 degrees. It's all around me. It's in me. It's heaven. And God says, our Father, which art in heaven, Lord, it's your, you're my refuge. You're my shield. The earth is his footstool. He is God Almighty. He is the God of majesty. And we praise him and we worship him. He's tender. He's close. Psalm 34 says God is close to the tenderhearted. We're never closer to God than when we're tender and broken. This fast, this past week that many of us participated in, we found out what it was to be close to the heart of God, to the heart of Abba. So let's look at the outline. Let's fill this in. When did he pray? Every time the schedule of Jesus Christ got demanding and he always prayed, he prayed. His life got hectic. It got chaotic. It got crazy. And Jesus prayed. So when do we pray? And when we're in desperation. Well, God says, man, your life needs some some flow, some direction, some order, some peace. Come to me. Call on me. I like what Luke 5, 15. Yet the news about him spread all the more. So the crowds of people came near to him to be healed of their sicknesses. They were always crowding in on Jesus. And he had to withdraw. He had to get with his father. So when our lives crowd in on us, we have to find time to be with him. I want you to write this down. This is a, a critical quote by Mark Beeson. Velocity and intimacy are enemies. Velocity and intimacy are enemies to our soul. When we go at such a fast pace and we run so hard, it wars against our spirit. It wars against our soul. And the fast teaches me as it has every time, and it taught me again this week, and I've had more people call me and email me to go, the fast slowed me down. It was... You know, it's kind of fun to refrain from entertainment. I'm not going to tell you it was fun to refrain from food. Somebody this morning grabbed me after the first service or before, and they said, Pastor. I said, how was the fast? They go, incredible. They said, about 4 o'clock, I started sinking. I went and took a bubble bath. Well, us guys didn't go take a bubble bath, okay? I didn't even think about taking a bubble bath. But I needed to slow down. And I like what it did for my soul and for what it did for others. As they said, they lived it out. They slowed down. They fasted. There's too much complexity in our lives, there's too much busyness. And God says, I want you to be with me, my father. You know, I, I forgot to tell him last service, but listen to this. We impose, we impose on our criminals what we need. If a criminal is really bad, we impose on them solitary confinement. And really, in the body of Christ, we need some solitary confinement with God. You're like, well, gee, if I just commit some crimes, I can get that. No, 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 that's not what I'm proposing this morning. We just say, God, I want to slow down. Luke 6, 12 says Jesus went up to the mountains, and he spent time at night. He spent time with his father. He withdrew. He laid his request at his feet. Let's move to the next one. Uh, or just write down the thought or think about the thought. We pray things through. Are you praying things through? See, sometimes you get it pretty quick, and sometimes you have to pray it through, and you have to pray it through, and you have to pray it through. Uh, any young people in here this morning? Sure. You're trying to make a decision about a major or what college or what to do with your life, or you're trying to make a decision, do we have children, do we adopt, whatever. God just says, slow down. Pray the situation through. Should I marry this person? Should I do this? Should I do that? Should I move to that city? Should I take that career? Let me just say this. You never take a career based on money. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you're saying, well, man, I want to make a lot of money. I know a lot of people make a lot of money. They're miserable. You make a decision based on prayer. And look at the points here. Let's look at them. Jesus prayed, or Jesus personally prayed for Peter. See, Satan says, can I sift him as like the wheat? He wanted to take him out because Peter's always in this stuff. 
And Jesus goes and prays and intercedes for him. And the thought comes to me. Do you and I have a friend that we pray for? That we know we're probably the only person that will stand in the gap for them. So we need to pray. Who are you praying for today? See, I have very committed lists that I pray for daily. I pray without ceasing because God tells me to. But I have scheduled days of when I pray for people. It'll be in the book when I write it. I'll, I'll teach people how to pray with a systematic way and with order. But this morning I prayed for about 25 or 30 pastors and worship leaders across America. It's just my habit because I believe I need to stand in the gap for those that do what I do. And this morning I had a, a text and I was concerned that maybe we had a problem from last night and they were going to let me know for the first time. And a text came from a fellow pastor and it said, may God's spirit fill you in both services this morning. I'm praying for you. You know what that did for me? That encouraged me big time. I just wanted to run out, man, and go, God, I'm ready to go. i got people standing in the gap. And people need that for you because you pray for them. So Jesus, what else to do? He prayed personally for Peter, and then he prayed when he faced the cross. He prayed when he faced disappointment. You're going to have disappointments in your life. So am I. And God says, pray. And when Jesus went to the hill of Golgotha, but before in the Garden of Gethsemane, he prayed the drops of blood, and he's crying out to his father, Abba, not my will, but thy will be done. But hey, can this cup pass for me? He's like, no, I've got to see it through for salvation. And then some of us, we just don't get it real in our prayers. Let me just say this. Some of you, you're, you're, you're praying King James prayers. Now, that's fine if you read King James, but if you don't read King James and you don't speak that way, be real with God. Be honest with God, church, okay? Just be Teresa. God, I'm hurting God. Would you come close? God loves those kind of prayers. God, I love you so much, my heart is about to burst with joy. I've been praying to go to two services for six years. Right now, I, I just can't hardly stand it. I mean, you know, I'm just I'm thrilled. I'm excited about eating in a little bit, but I'm really excited about giving God's word out. I mean, man, it just thrills me. And you know what else I'm excited about? Nobody has to starve anymore spiritually at Christ's community. The people that love our children and love our kids and love our babies, I can look every one of you in the face. Melanie, you don't know how good it makes me feel to look at you and Jason today. I mean, I can start weeping because I don't have to walk out of this living room and go, God showed up today. And you're like, well, I changed poop three times. Whew. Or a kid screamed. Or for any of you. I mean, man, it just makes it. I'm so proud of you, church. And we've got new guests here today. And you're like, you just came to check out to see what they do at uh, whatever time it is. We started this service about 1115, right? Okay. And you just want to know what we were about. The presence of God. But let's look at the next one. Hallowed be your name. It comes from a Greek word, hagiazo. Hallowed is kind of an archaic word. It really doesn't make sense. But it means this. It means to be holy, to set apart, to reverence God as a holy one. He is holy. It's for his goodwill. It's for his good pleasure. And, Lord, we recognize we want to be aware that you're in the house, you're in our hearts, and we worship you, God, in spirit and truth this morning, but hopefully every day we make real the presence of God as we worship him in our quiet times, as we go to the marketplace, as we go to work, as we play with our kids, as we do life, as we worship. We ask God, bring your presence. Lord, we want to not blend in with the world. We want to be different because your presence came in our lives you see, that's what I want to give you every weekend. I want you to leave here different because Jesus came and touched you. And you got in touch with your heavenly father. And you now call him Papa, Daddy, Abba. See, God's a little out there for me. Oh, I love God. But he's a father. 
He's my father. He's my daddy. I don't even have an earthly dad to call anymore. Some of you are in the same boat and some of you do. And if you do, you ought to call your dad today and go, what are you calling me for? What do you want? You want money? I know. I mean, money would be fine, said it? I just want to tell you I love you. I just want to tell you I'm proud of you. And if you have a really negative connotation, maybe you need to forgive your dad. And if you don't have a dad, you just ought to go, God, I've got you. You're all I need. You're the air I breathe. We hallow, we reverence his name. We go beyond the name. Look at this point there real quickly with me. When we hallow his name, we elevate his worth. It's not that God needs us to go, I want you to describe me higher. No, he's already God. He's in the holy of holies. But we need to elevate in our own lives, realizing who he is. And we reverence God. So God, we petition you. We, we bless you. We go beyond your name. Yahweh Sitkanu. Or Jehovah Sitkanu means, God, you're my righteousness. Jehovah Rapha, God, you're my healer, my helper. You study the Hebrew names of God. I did a series on that a long time ago. But, man, the names of God are powerful. They're profound. There's something behind that name. It's God. I love this one. Jehovah Jireh, God, you're my provider. That's who he is this morning. The New Testament gives us names. Bread of life, living water, the way, the resurrected one. Morning star, Lamb of God. There's so much depth in all those words, and I'll do another series on that. We, so we rehearse who He is. Secondly, we relinquish the control of our lives. Holy Spirit, come. Come in power. Come in power and transform and move me from natural to supernatural. See, we don't need a lot of more natural activity on this campus. We need the supernatural infusion of the Holy Spirit to come and empower our lives and change us. And if you're not a Christ follower today, I'm asking you to get in touch with this God. His name is Jesus. And as you get to know your Father, ask Him for the Holy Spirit. How much more He'll give the Holy Spirit to those that ask Him. And some of you right now, there's a few of you have already heard this message. You're like, this is not the same message He preached last time. That happens when I preach two services. They're basically the same, but they're not the same. That doesn't mean I don't want you to come to both services. We need room. Okay, so, it's just I'm so gifted. No, okay, here we go. Not really. See, we recognize his presence in our lives. We be, we're being aware of his presence every moment of our life. God, you're what I need. Lord, I trust you. Psalm 16, 8. I've set the Lord always before me, but I will bless the name of God. I bless you, Lord. This morning, we just need to bless him. We blessed him in song. We blessed him in praise. We're blessing him by the word. We blessed him in fellowship. Are we going to bless him in our giving? Are we going to bless him in our serving right now? There are people all over this campus serving, taking care of your kids. And you took care of their kids. And we're loving. And we're building disciples. And we're opening our doors. And like, I know God's honored. And we prayed for that because he is worthy. So we rehearse. We relinquish. We recognize. So we're going to walk through this prayer. I'm going to invite you to invite people with you next weekend. So, man, our pastor started this new series. You can go online and listen to the first part. And now come do it with us. Let's do life. Hello, look on the column. We're on this journey. We're doing life alone. We are not. We're doing it with God. Are we going to do it with God, church? Are we going to do it with God? See, there might not be as many of you here now as last hour, but y'all can raise the roof, can't you, church? Man, they play football this afternoon. You'll go, go Patriots! Go Giants! I don't care. Let's just eat. I don't know what you're going to be yelling about. But when I call for a response in the house of God, let's give God our best. Amen? If you can watch your pastor sweat, you can worship. And you can exalt him. And you can raise your voice. And you can raise your life. And say, God, you are worthy, Abba. 
It's okay. Howell B. Ah, name. 